Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. Welcome to Florida Matters More, the podcast for Florida Matters, WUSF public media show about the issues and events that Floridians care about. I'm Robin Sussingham, host of Florida Matters. You can hear Florida Matters Tuesday evenings at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7, streaming on WUSFnews.org. Support for Florida Matters More comes from the National Foundation for Transplants. Right now, hundreds of Tampa residents need an organ transplant they can't afford. You can join the National Foundation for Transplants Operation Second Chance at transplants.org to learn how to help give someone a second chance at life. This week on Florida Matters, we're talking about the blossoming medical marijuana industry in Florida. And we're going to keep the conversation going with Kim Rivers, CEO of TrueLeave. Daniel Elias is president of Pharmacology University, a medical marijuana education program, and Darren Potter is chief horticulture officer at Grow Healthy in Lake Wales. TrueLeave and Grow Healthy are two of the licensed, uh, big licensed medical marijuana growers in Florida. I want to ask you all what you think of the Joe Redner case. Uh, Joe Redner is a personality in Tampa, strip club owner, also um, a lot of litigation he's, he's gone through. He's arguing for the right to grow his own medical marijuana. Uh, Darren, what do you think about that? You know, if he has won his case to produce his own medical cannabis for juicing purposes, as I understand it, and as long as he's not providing that to other patients and giving it as a medicine, as a licensed medical treatment center, I don't really personally have a problem with it. Um, I'm sure he has his reason, reasonings, his causes. Kim, what do you think? Sure. Well, we're actually uh, somewhat, I guess, tangentially involved in that case. Uh, Mr. Redner reached out to to me uh, via email and asked if we would, we as in truly be interested in providing him plants and or seeds or clones per his physician his physician's recommendation. He does have a physician who has recommended that he um, be able to possess up to 40 cannabis plants for juicing purposes for his, um, I believe it's stage four cancer in the complaint, to which I responded, we would love to. However, we have to follow proper laws. We are regulated very, very strictly by uh, the state of Florida and the Office of Medical Marijuana Use. So we submitted an amendment to the Department of Health asking for permission so that to be clear that we were in compliance with all of our particular um, regulations. And uh, so that amendment is before the Department of Health, and we are all anxiously awaiting the outcome of that case. Do you think the Redner case could set a precedent for people who might want to grow it themselves or maybe sell it to their next door neighbor or their one friend or their mom? I think it all. Yeah. Go ahead, Kim. I was just going to say, I think it all, it it all, you know, we're, we're, like I said, we're anxiously awaiting um, the case. Early indicators, at least from the the trial judge's orders, has indicate have indicated or signaled that this likely will be narrowly construed to the facts and circumstances of Mr. Redner. You know, there are a lot of questions as to whether or not there are other patients that are similarly situated, and of course, whether or not the Florida Legislature um, thinks that you know it would, it might be a good time for them to 
think about homegrown and how homegrown and how that might be tackled at the state level. Most other states who have some form of homegrown home have specific you know rules and requirements that govern that program. So I would expect that um, in Florida we would we would be similarly you know regulated as well. Regulations are crazy um, for, <laughs> for this medical marijuana. I vote, Florida voters overwhelmingly voted to legalize medical marijuana, 2016. The state legislature, a majority of whom are ostensibly free market, limited government Republicans, um, have really put the brakes on it. They have doled out a small number of grower licenses. You two, Kim and Darren, have two of them. There are 13 in total. They've put a cap on the number of dispensaries that a company can open. They still haven't released rules on edibles. From Politico, State Senator Jeff Brandis was quoted as saying that all these lawsuits show that laws need to be rewritten. He says, quote, this law has so many glaring problems. It just drips with special interests and with crony capitalism. The people with the best lobbyists won. I got to get your, uh, your reaction to that, Daniel. Well, basically... I, I do think that the laws needs to be changed, um, but it is a learning process. It, each state has happened the same, where they put what they believe that is going to be working for them, and then as soon as w- when the, the the laws get in effect, then they will know which work and which doesn't. Have you seen vertical integration in other states then being dismantled, Darren? Uh, yeah, in Colorado, um, in 2008, nine, and 10, uh, I was a cultivator there that I could cultivate for patients directly or I could sell to multiple different dispensaries, which is what I did. In July of 2010, uh, they did away with that uh, licensing structure and they moved towards vertical integration. Uh, and it caused a, a, a huge problem in Colorado in that uh, some growers weren't business operators and some business operators weren't growers. So you had a lot of failure. Um but they began to dismantle that vertical integration in 2013, 2014. And now there are uh, multiple different licenses and stages as a processor or a cultivator or a dispensary. Kim, what do you think? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, tell Um, us. (laughs) Such a touchy spot for Um, us, isn't it, Kim? Yeah, right. Um, So, you know, regulations are, are, are you know, a necessary evil. Um, for for this business, you, simply because of the federal versus states, you know, positioning on it. So I, you know, I I don't think that we're going to see an environment where, um, you know, it's it's strictly you know a non-regulated um, type of industry. Um, I don't think that there's a precedent for that in any of the states across across the country. Um, you know, I I think that. Florida is is continuing to evolve. I think that we're going to continue to see more activism and um, involvement f- from the people, quite frankly. I mean, it, you're correct in that Florida passed with 71.2% of, of the population voting in favor of a medical cannabis program. So as that as that gets into the bloodstream, as folks become more familiar and as your neighbor, your sister, your mother, your grandparents um, become medical cannabis uh, users and see the benefits firsthand, I think that the conversation will begin to shift. It has begun to shift, um, even at the legislative level. I mean, there are so many conversations that three years ago, folks who were staunchly opposed to now when you have that you know, personal story or personal experience, um, 
it, it tends to change your perspective. And um, that's why it's important for for the companies that are operating to, to operate you know, above board, to follow all the rules, to make sure that we're responsible corporate citizens, that we're putting out quality products that we stand behind and that patients are able to, uh, to see relief as we continue to move through this evolving, evolving landscape. Well, I think also small municipalities are starting to see the benefit, the economic benefit for themselves. I know at Davenport was one place. In Polk County, I was just reading about that, had originally voted they wanted no dispensaries. But now apparently they've got a closed-down packing house, fruit packing house, and there's a um, medical marijuana company somewhere that is interested in that. Now they're thinking, you know, this could really help out our community. Absolutely. Sure. Uh, most of my staff members have come from the, the Polk County region, um, and I have a good relationship with the city manager and zoning and, and everybody in the municipality. And, you know, they're very happy that we've come in and created jobs and we've been a good neighbor and very respectful towards our neighbors. So it's um, it's definitely an add value to the community. It's not the negative impact that a lot of people would have considered, would have thought. Now, you're coming from Colorado, Darren. Oh. I'm not from Colorado. But you just to worked be clear. in Colorado, <laughs> and you and you worked in this industry in Colorado. Yeah, I'm, I'm Florida born. I'm from Pahokee, Florida. I graduated from UCF with a degree in biology, and and I embarked into medical cannabis in California in 2006, 2007, and then Colorado 2008 and nine. Okay, so we're looking at California, looking at Colorado. I think what a lot of people are worried about is that this industry is really banking on for the customer base to grow. That it's uh, that eventually they'll be legalizing recreational use on top of medical use. Um, do you see that happening? This is what I'll tell you. Yeah, and, and I see it from a lot of different perspectives, from patients, from doctors, from politicians, uh, lobbyists. And, you know, in Colorado, the cat was let out of the bag real quick, right? Everybody was growing uh, it might as well have been recreational. It was everywhere. Um, everybody's growing in their basements or their closets. And then they tried to put the, uh, you know, the rabbit back in the hat, right? And it's been a difficult process to limit the number of plants that a person can grow and to create all these rules and regulations around licensing. Florida, on the opposite end of that, created the, r- the rules and regulations very strict in the beginning. And now it's starting to ease up. Uh, and I wouldn't say ease up in the sense that we're going to have recreational in a couple weeks. Ease up in the sense that, you know, in a few months, I would say 60 to 90 days, hopefully we'll have better language on edibles and that'll be a, an actual viable market, which will create more jobs. Uh, after that, you're going to potentially see a flower market, I would suspect, in the what next year. What does that year. mean? A, a flower, flower market. Uh, there is currently a lawsuit that John Morgan has filed against the state uh, to consume flour as a smoking product. So as, be able to smoke correct. weed. Correct. Yes, is what we're saying. Cannabis. Correct. Um, so, yeah, so you're, you're going to see these regulatory changes occur over the next few years. Now, whether we delve into recreational in the next five years, that's, you know, once again, I'd have to look into Kim's crystal ball to even give you a, an idea. But I, I think we're a little ways away from that as of right now. What do you need to grow it? Is it does it grow in a does, does marijuana grow in a um, greenhouse only? Can you plant it in the ground? What it, how do you grow it? We are restricted from cultivating cannabis outdoors. So we are required by law to cultivate in an indoor enclosed structure. Uh, that can be a hoop house, a greenhouse, uh, an indoor building. It can be a number of different things. As long as it's an enclosed structure, uh, you have the security requirements, you have the cameras, right? You have all the things that you need to keep a secure environment. So it doesn't matter where you grow it. Kim, can, does it grow better in any part of the state? Or if, since it's in a, a greenhouse or something, can you just grow it anywhere? 
so because it's because it is an enclosed structure, um, we try to take the external environmental factors out of the equation. Florida is, and I'm sure Darren could speak to this probably more more so than myself, but Florida is a highly humid environment. So um, we don't enjoy some of the natural environmental pros that, say, a California or Colorado would uh, would get. So are there different strains, different varieties of marijuana? Some are more expensive than others, grow better? Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, just to go back a little bit to what Kim was speaking about, it's difficult to grow in Florida outdoors due to the humidity, the rain, um, the heat as well. So, yeah, we do grow in an enclosed structure where we maintain environmental controls, uh, temperature, humidity, and such. So it, what I think she was trying to say is it's not the easiest to grow in Florida unless you have all of those uh, structural, uh, the infrastructure for it. Daniel. Well, there are thousands of different strains because basically people have been doing this for a long time and they've been cr- crossing different type of plants to achieve different type of percentage in THC or CBD. So definitely there are thousands of different strains. And actually there are lots of books of so many different strains that they are available. Daniel, are you worried you might get drug dealers coming to your classes? Um, well, at first we were, and actually we have lots of them. Typically in, the, in our cultivation course, 20 to 30% of our students, they used to be in the black market, the growing in their houses or whatever, and they just want to get into the legal market. And, but, and this, this is very important for us because in the black market and what they only were achieving was yield, production, as much pounds as possible as a flower. Now that this is medicinal product, um, they, are, they have to be concerned that the product needs to be as clean as possible without heavy metals and with the most controls possible so the product will be for a patient. That this, that this is very important for us that they know that it's not the same that they, they used to be doing back at home or in their regular black market um, jobs. So definitely we do have lots of people that they want to change from the black market to the legal side of it. Darren. So uh, currently at our facility we cultivate about 30 varieties of cannabis and uh, we germinate uh, probably about 50, 50 seeds roughly every quarter. So every three months we'll we'll germinate 50 new seeds uh, for new varieties in our garden. You had to sue to get a license to grow. Our lobbyists didn't help us there, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) What do you have to say to other people that want to get into this industry? Now that you have your license, are you wanting to close this down, or are you open to competition? I love competition. I'm I'm all about competition. I think uh, competition drives for excellence in the market and the space. Certainly drive prices down. Drives prices down, creates more uh, incentive to create new products for your patients. More innovation. Um, Yes, innovation. Competition is where innovation is born. So I, I love I love that. I have no problem with that at all. And I think the uh, the patients need more access. So. so what would you say to someone who's like, you know, a, say a former citrus grower has been wiped out by citrus greening and says, okay, we have this new industry. Uh, I've got all this acreage. I would say be patient. Um, gather as much capital as you possibly can because it's going to be extremely expensive. Uh, you know, just as an example, we recently entered into a management contract with Ianthus Capital uh, to uh, assist us in building out our infrastructure. So Ianthus Capital bought Grow Healthy. And it's a, a management new, contract. It's, but they're a New York-based 
Correct. Company. They're publicly traded on the OTC and they're a New York-based company and mm-hmm. we're able to uh, you know, get money through the, the public source. Uh, so we actually have capital to create the infrastructure, create the jobs, uh, build out the cultivation centers. Um, so it's a, it's a very costly pro- process. It's very, very expensive to get into this space. So I would just tell anybody that's looking to, to make that transition that if you feel that it's a, a mom-and-pop environment, it's certainly not. And I see people lose fortunes often. So, so I wanted to explain what vertical in- integration, I want to go back and just explain what vertical integration means. It means that the person, one company grows it, process it, distributes it through the dispensary. So you can't just open a dispensary. You can't just say, open up a chemical plant that processes it. You have to do the entire thing, which makes it a much more expensive proposition. Yes. Very, very expensive. And it's not all states are like that. Puerto Rico, uh, Daniel's not like that. You own a dispensary. Yeah. um, In Puerto Rico, you could own one of the three licenses uh, or you can have the vertical integration. You you could have the actually if you have enough money. Exactly because um, uh, an investment for the three different licenses, so you can have the vertical integration. We are talking about around five million dollars just for having a small shop. So imagine to try to have a a, a big uh, quantity of patients so you can serve. It is a very big investment. And so in Puerto Rico, what we did is we started with a dispensary. Now we gather people capital from the states and we are, we are, are we're now issuing our manufacturing and our cultivation site in the same building. So we are gonna have the vertical integration. What would you like to see happen with this industry? I'd say immediately, one of the things that I would love to see happen is, is education. You know, what I find is the the physicians just don't have access to the information and the sources of the information that they do maybe aren't always the best, right? Google doesn't always tell the truth, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's what I see. I see a lot of misunderstanding of, for example, sativa, indica, hybrid. You know, most everything for the past 20 plus years has, you know, people have been breeding for a very long time. So to find a, a true land race sativa is what almost is that? unheard of. Uh, it's just one of the varieties of cannabis. So when patients call in, they say, well, do you guys have a sativa? And it's like, well, we have sativa hybrids. Well, do you have any indicas? We have indica hybrids. Everything's more or less hybridized these days. Do you have and, to try it? Like you might try coffee <clears throat> when you go to a coffee shop and you decide what you like better? Well, I am not a patient in the state of Florida and I have not recommended cannabis, so I can't try cannabis here in Florida. Uh, But what I would say is that cannabis is certainly, uh, it can be comparable in in the sense of taste and smell and effect, right? You drink coffee, some coffee may have a higher concentration of caffeine and wake you up more, whereas others have less. They're a darker roast, so maybe they don't have as much caffeine and they're they're not going to wake you up as much. Same thing with cannabis. It has its uh, genetic profile, which may be higher in THC and may be more psychoactive, or it may be higher in CBD and more therapeutic. Daniel, what's the best way to make money in the medical <laughs> marijuana industry? Well, have the correct um, business plan and try to, obviously you need to have a good business plan and achieve to, to try to get as many patients as possible and as many doctors to be working with you alongside as possible. Because basically, you could have the best product available, but if you don't have patience, enough patience so you can sell the product, then you will not have what you, do you need to make lots of money. 
So education, that's key, and that's what we bring to the table. And at the same time, have the right, like, like he said, have the right management and have the right opportunities so you can have a, the, big, the biggest amount of patients possible. I believe that's the key about this industry. So if you're talking about the easiest way to make money or... Yeah, what's the easiest way to make money? Well, I mean, the market's different in every single state. Every, so, every single state's a bubble, if you consider it that way. So there's a, a method to make money in each state. Um, in Florida. In Florida is if you're a newly licensed MMTC, a medical marijuana treatment center, I would say creating a good culture um, and focusing on servicing the patients and providing the best medicine and the best experience for the patient. Uh, not just, uh, you know, it, it's not one single thing. It's a number of things to create a good business in Florida. And uh, patient education and, and response to the patients and servicing the patients is really, you know, that's that's how you create a good business. There's really no way to get into this business unless you've got a lot of money to become a to deal with this vertical integration, or you're one of these adjunct businesses doing education, or you could be a lawyer um, that's consulting in the medical marijuana business, or you could be a physician who learns how to prescribe. But I'm thinking entrepreneurially, well, there's not that much open you to You have people. testing labs Daniel. to test the product. <laughs> Um, you have manufacturers of extraction equipment here in the state of Florida. Those mm-hmm. are up-and-coming industries here in the state of Florida. Um, and, yeah, the patient education, the conferences, you know, the conferences alone to where you, you concentrate the uh, the patients or you concentrate the physicians, there's money to be made there, and that's something that is an industry in itself, just the conferences. Yeah, because basically, as you said, yeah, the initial investment is so high that for doing it yourself is, is going to be – uh, a very, it's going to be very difficult. Although, um, which I think will keep the black market going. Well, the black market is never going to be out of it because even in other states, um, it is a different experience, and that type of product has their own clientele, and they are going to keep buying that product, even though typically it will change, and maybe the younger kids will stop buying to their to their dealers and get getting into the in the dispensaries if they, if they become recreational. But um, the black market is going to keep the, the same way. What, it, what it's going to do is going to lower the cost. That definitely, that, that's going to be changing in between the black market and the recre- um, recreational or medici- medicinal cannabis market. Thank you. Daniel Elias, president of Pharmacology University, and Darren Potter, chief horticulture officer at Grow Healthy in Lake Wales. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us, Cam. Bye, Cam. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Bye, guys. Thanks so Bye. much. A pleasure. And thank you all for being with us. Thanks for joining us. And listen to Florida Matters on the radio, Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7. You can always find it online at WUSFnews.org. I'm Robin Sessingham. Come back next week for another episode of Florida Matters More. And subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Stitcher.